Oh, hey, Rebels. It's me, Sheila Gunn-Reed, and you're listening to a free audio-only recording of my weekly Wednesday night show, The Gun Show. However, this is the internet, so listen or watch whenever you feel like it. Tonight, my guest is someone that is new to the Rebel team, but she's definitely not new to Rebel viewers. It's Kelly Lamb, our newest Rebel News contributor. She's based just outside of Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. So maybe, possibly more in the middle of nowhere than even me. Now, if you like listening to the show, then I promise you're going to love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-form TV-style shows here on Rebel News. Subscribers get access to my show, as well as Ezra's nightly, fully produced Ezra Levant show, David Menzies' fun Friday night show, Rebel Roundup, where he rounds up your favorite rebels and interviews them. And Andrew Chapados' new show, Andrew Says. It's only eight bucks a month to subscribe. And just for my podcast listeners, you can save an extra 10% on a new Rebel News Plus subscription by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com to become a member. And now please enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. We've got a brand new Rebel on the team and you get to meet her today. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed and you're watching The Gun Show. You may already be well acquainted with our newest rebel from some of her prior appearances on this very show. You might also know her from, I guess, being the resident rebel news songstress. We actually flew her to the UK to sing at a rally for Tommy Robinson. It's Kelly Day, and she's a small town Saskatchewan girl with a big love and big passion for free speech, personal liberty, and Hearing both sides of the story, which is a dangerous thing these days. And Kelly's on the show today to refresh your memories about her, if you already know who she is. And for those of you who are new, you get to meet her for the very first time. And you know what? I think you're going to love her. So here's Kelly Day in an interview we recorded yesterday morning. from her home north of Prince Albert, Saskatchewan is my friend Kelly Lamb and the newest Rebel News contributor. Thank you, Kelly, so much for joining us. I am happy to be here. Happy to be here, Sheila. Thanks now, for having me. I think you are, you could be a bit of a new face to some people, but I think to like longtime Rebel viewers, you're you're not all that new. Um, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and sort of how you came to I guess, where you are today, I, not in particular how you came to be working with us at Rebel News, but just sort of how you ended up in this place in your life and on the internets. Fair enough. Well, I'll try to keep that brief. Brevity has never been my strength, so no promises. <laughs> it's okay. But uh, as was my I'm, boss, I'm, I'm okay. With, I'm used to that. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, basically, I started getting interested in politics when I was young, but I was a bit of a lefty, full, full disclosure, and uh, dealing with health issues and seeing a lot of poverty and stuff. You always want to be compassionate and believing that narrative. And I started having a big personal shift in sort of the 2017 to 19 region, started a YouTube video in in mid-July 2018, and then from there ended up running for politics for the PPC, People's Party of Canada, in 2019 in my writing, and uh, from there just continued to 
delve into this idea of sort of monologuing on political and social issues. And uh, Sheila and I were talking a bit off screen about, you know, how great it is to, to do something for a living that you actually just you're you're ranting at home about the news anyway. You might as well do it on camera and, and have a little more structure to it. So I just started making a, a YouTube channel, which was small, but it grew and uh, did a bit with The Rebel, a little bit of musical uh, gigging here and there, and um, took some time off for health and wasn't sure where it was going to go, and uh, had a surgery, and now I'm back, and sort of was just trying to decide how my life would go, and this just sort of happened. So here here we are now, a Rebel contributor, and um, I'm really excited about it. Really, really great people to work with, so that's, a, that's the best short, that's probably the best short summary I've ever done. It usually takes far longer than that. You know, and and I kind of like that you come from the left because I think right in the left we care about different or, or we care about a lot of the same things, but we our solutions are different, right? A lot of the exactly. people on the left they say they care about the poor. I care about the poor too. I was one. I grew up not a child of privilege whatsoever, and for a lot of people on the left, they they think that just taking other people's money and throwing it at the problem is the the way to be compassionate. Um, because those poor people, they just can't figure it out for themselves, you see. And yes. for me, coming at it from the right and having lived that experience, I say, no, we just need opportunities. We're not, not hardworking. We just need everybody to get out of our way. Yeah, and so that bigotry of soft expectations, I find, is a big thing, as well as just the approach to government, believing the government has the answer. Bigger government, more policy. That's never the answer. The government I am learning does not do a very good job. So either they have terrible intentions or they have good intentions, but they just suck at what they're doing. So if you hand it over to the government, chances are they're not going to do as good of a job as a, a smaller charity or a grassroots group of people or regular citizens. So it really started to dawn on me how much I was being duped by flowery language and essentially wolves in sheep's clothing. That's probably the biggest part uh, that I try. I think it's even in my Twitter bio, just really warning people to stop. Canadians are very easily duped by nice language. Yeah. I don't know what it is with us, but we are just so, oh, well, that sounded real compassionate. I'll just dive into that. But there's little, there's very little empowerment in these types of policies. And that's really what got me awakened to just, I guess I'm a classical liberal, but ultimately I'm, I'm a conservative now because everything's moved so far to the left that none of the traditional labels even matter anymore. But I'd like to think I'm at least just common sense and, uh, you know, that's not a common thing anymore, unfortunately. So yeah, yeah, it, it's I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Canadians have made being nice or we think being nice, like or being yeah. not perceived as nice by the rest of the world. That's our identity. And so we just want to do nice things. And for a lot of people, being nice means giving other people, other people's money, and then patting yourself on the back for it, right? Like, it doesn't make it's any sense. It's an interesting ideology. And I, I feel like there's a lot of passive aggression in our niceness. That's what I'm really learning with this whole pandemic stuff is there's a lot of, um, a lot of passive aggression and sort of this gentle, we're going to say sort of nice things, but you can tell that we're going to judge you really hard underneath it all, but with a really big smile, right? I'm seeing yeah. that a lot. So I'm starting to question the nice narrative, but that's a whole other discussion altogether. So yeah, yeah. I think a lot of that like niceness is uh, cloaked anti-Americanism a lot of times. You see Don't the Americans. Get started. <laughs> I know. We see the, the, a lot of the left in Canada sees Americans as like brash and rough around the edges and they yeah. see individualism as selfishness and yeah. whereas you know a normal person might say well wanting what somebody else has worked for isn't that the selfish viewpoint not the person who wants to keep it right 
Right. Yeah. You, you might say that. Yes. But again, that's uh, <laughs> the anti-Americanism part is something that I've definitely noticed since I was younger, even before I got into yeah. politics. I remember thinking, why were people so hard on the states? I liked their patriotism growing up. I always thought we needed more, a little more of that in uh, our nation. And now I've learned a little more nuance and I don't think I've changed my mind on that. So, Well, and I think, too, that sort of distinguishes the West as sort of a I would say we are a bit of a distinct society, a distinct culture from the rest of Canada, because I think we are more closely aligned with that rugged individualism of the Americans than that, like, collective niceties of the uh, Laurentian overlords in I Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa. Yeah. yeah, 100%. <laughs> now, I wanted to, you touched on something there. You said a, a word that... Um, I think I saw you uh, writing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm always scribbling, but uh, you said grassroots. And so by the time that this goes to air, people are going to see your second video and your first two videos, I think, um, are going to set the stage for, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. So the sort of stories that I think you're going to focus on. Um, but again, this is rebel news and we give our journalists a lot of leeway to talk about the things that they care about in particular. Um, but you've covered a grassroots uprising of parents and, uh, people in Saskatchewan who have said, no, you're not going to do these things to our kids and put these rules on our kids without our say first, or at least without asking us. And a lot of this is right. being done without even asking the parents if, this is a good idea. We know that politicians are going to do things to us and like pay things lip service, but they didn't even bother to pay lip service in Saskatchewan and some of these school boards. No, they just push out these policies and then they, they use that ever, you know, evergreen line of this is what we learned from the experts and this is what's best for your children. And that's what we're going to do moving forward without even considering that perhaps imagine that a parent might know what's best for their kid, whether it comes to uh, vaccines or anything else, a, a parent knows what is best for their child. And we, we, again, in Canada, I find it odd that we give so much, just passively give authority to the state over very important decisions that can affect our children's lives, right? So it's, I found it really interesting, um, the approach that Nadine took. That's one of the reasons I was so interested in the story is just, I love, well, that and knowing them a bit personally and wanting to fight for good people because you know that their intentions are so good and you know that these are reasonable people and smart people and people with access to good medical data. So I really appreciated their approach of, we're gonna do the best we can to meet them in the middle, play their game then, We'll go to the meeting. We'll, we're not just going to, you know, stand with signs and swear and whatever else with big, you know, F Trudeau yeah. signs, nothing like that. It's they're going to go and try to actually find some reasonable like policy alternative and whether that's going to go anywhere in the long run or they're just going to say, oh, we're, we're restructuring things. We're going to make it better. You know, we'll, we'll find out, I guess, how much that is uh, an empty promise or whether they fulfill it. But at least they're trying to they're really trying to do this in a peaceful way. And what started as just this grassroots um, parental concern group turned into healthcare workers who were concerned and are going to lose their jobs soon from the Saskatchewan Health Authority. So then that group started and Nadine headed that up. And then there were so many people wanting to come in that aren't healthcare workers through multiple occupations. So then they expanded it and now we have Unified Grassroots, which I think is is almost at 6,000 people now. And that's way more than even since I did the video. So it's going from parents to citizens at large. People are really concerned about what's happening. And we haven't even seen the downfall of, of all of these policies from kids to firing people for not getting something for a medical choice. We have no idea 
the the huge effects that that is going to to have. And what's nice about a group like Unified Grassroots and what they're doing is they really are bringing it back to the very beginning, back to the people, keep it simple, and let's go in there and try to bring our ideas to the table and do it in strength in numbers with unity and try to give the media, the ferocious mainstream media, less fodder. They're going to try to discredit you any way they can. We know yeah. that, but we're trying to, you know, they're trying to give them less fodder for for fun, I guess, for things that they can just nail you on. So it's it's nice to see people really, they're, they're not meeting the hate with hate. They really want to meet the hatred with light, you know, light in the darkness, unification, not focusing on on labeling and division, because that's all we have in this country. It's whether it's race or or medical status or whatever else you want to throw in there, we just are at each other's throats. And they're really trying to, even though sometimes it's hard because people have been harsh and cruel, right? And wishing death upon people. Um, mm-hmm. to to meet that with grace is so difficult. And I really commend Nadine Ness and the people that are starting that group. Um, because they've they've really found a way to show grace under fire. And that's not common right now. So Yeah, that's what I really like about Nadine's group. And like you say, Nadine's not a crazy person. She's a former Mm -hmm. RCMP officer. She's a mom. She's a farmer. She's married into a freedom fighting family. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, so there's a role for protest, obviously. Mm -hmm. There's a role of of speaking truth to power. Um, But she's also showing up at school board meetings and talking to the school board. And so she's approaching this from both sides and utilizing every tool the citizen has to advocate for policy change, which I really like. But you did did point out something um, interesting when you were commenting on that and that I think the old political lines have sort of dropped away. Normally, we we think of healthcare workers as, you know, voting for big government because they work for the government and their unions are often supporting the NDP, Mm -hmm. but they are being left out in the dark by Mm -hmm. their unions and the the party that their union traditionally supports. Mm -hmm. And I I think it's not left versus right anymore. It's freedom versus control. It's the people who want to be left alone and the people who won't leave them alone. Mm -hmm. And I think... The greatest failing of our politicians during this time is that there are few that are willing to get in front of the issue and say, okay, well, those people are a single issue voter. Let's round them all up. This weird, yeah, this weird swath of humanity, people who normally would cross the street so that they didn't walk on the (laughs) same side of the street as each other. They're all showing up at the same protest and chanting the same thing. A good politician would want to round up all those people and make them potential voters but that's not really happening, at least at the provincial level at all. Not at all. And it's so interesting that you bring that up because it kind of ties into my story. So part of me getting into sort of the left back in the day was me going into natural health, the world of natural health, which is very, that's also what got me into sort of the the new age, which was what I was going to focus on as well as politics. I don't know if the rebel has any space for that, but um, that kind of ideology, and it is very liberal in the, the political sense. It all kind of has a lot of crossover, but natural health is an interesting field because it's full of people that are either complete normies and don't give a crap about politics or people that are very left-leaning and this is where we're with the whole COVID thing and and status medical status vaccine status I don't know what word I'm supposed to use on YouTube for all of this at this point (laughs) but uh it seems like that's the really the one group that is um you know showing the same the same sorry I was having like weird beeps going on on my computer did you hear that can we like edit this out yeah okay yeah (laughs) so in the natural health world you have people that are either complete normies and they're not political at all, or they're very left-leaning. 
And and that's where we're finding a lot of commonality on the COVID-19 vaccine, because people don't want to take pharmaceuticals in the natural health world that are, you know, they don't take Advil, for goodness sake. Yeah. They go to some natural, some herb or something or, or home, homeopathy. And in fact, they, they don't want to just, that, that bodily autonomy, that's the line for them. And they're not political, but anybody that's trying to force something into their body, they're seeing that as a threat. And it's not about partisanship. There's no Trump thoughts in here. There's nothing yep. that we've been, you know, on Twitter, all of us people on Twitter are fighting it out for 18 months about all the politics. Yep. They don't care. They just don't want that substance in their veins, period. And so you do find a really unique crossover. Um, and that, that rally was a great example. Every possible race, every possible yeah. you know, ethnicity, background, occupation, belief, didn't matter. People people are coming together on this one issue. And, and like you said, politicians aren't paying attention to that or something else is going on. And I don't know what's happened with Scott Moe. Same as Kenny, they were adamant against this passport, this mandating of vaccines, and they've completely done a 360. Um, I'm not saying that that anything weird has happened. I know he's been denouncing conspiracy theories of being paid off by Big Pharma. I don't know if there's bribery or blackmail or what's going on, but these people are doing about faces and they've become quite tyrannical and it's not the best thing to move forward. They must see the negative effects of losing a bunch of skilled workers in every possible field. Surely they know that the dividing society isn't going to make things better, right? You know, it's, it's really interesting. Um, very scary. I didn't see Saskatchewan going this way. I, For a long time in this pandemic, I was grateful to be here. And I would say, oh, I'm in the safest part of Canada. I'm in the most sane part of Canada. And now here we are. And it's not just the government, Sheila. It, it's bad enough. We expect the government to screw us over, especially as yeah. conservatives, right? What I didn't expect was to see people screwing each other over. What I didn't expect was seeing so many people go along with it, throw their family and friends under the bus for the illusion of the chance of safety. That's fascinating to me. Yeah, it's it's true. When you go to these protests, it is just this. You want to talk about a kaleidoscope of humanity. You've mm -hmm. got, you know, Orthodox Christians, uh, Anabaptists, um, the Crystal's Cure Cancer crowd, the New Agers, the conservatives who just want to be left alone, the oil patch workers who are like, I don't want to get the jab because uh, I, because I have to go in a work camp. It's it's small business owners. It's everybody. Yeah. And there's not a single politician with the good sense of Ralph Klein, who's, who someone once asked him his um, secret to success, and it was to identify a parade that was already marching and then just jump in front of it and lead it which is actually pretty smart. It's very populist, but there's not a single politician willing to do it. And, you know, it, it's sad to see politicians we thought were actual good conservatives who cared about these things just now going along to get along because I don't know, because they're doing it in Ontario. Um, but again, like you said, we expect our politicians to do this. It's sadder to see our friends and neighbors Mm -hmm. So, so scared of the TV and mm -hmm. the things the TV is telling them that they're making their relationships with people they know are good people all of a sudden conditional on their medical status. And that that's really bothers me. That's it for me too. That's, that's bang on. It's, it's about, you know, going from your whole life, you know, certain people, whether it's friends, neighbors, family members, people that have good hearts that care about others, whatever the case is, you respect them suddenly this happens and because of this absolute constant fear porn that's been put into people's minds they're willing to dump those people that they know and trust or did trust at one point yep. something shifted and now they trust 
pharmaceutical companies and government, people that are making health policy, often unelected bureaucratic bureaucrats, you know, thousands of miles away, and they're yeah. willing to trust that person, but not the person that's really just trying to to reach out and maybe share a bit of info. Um, there's a lot of condescension going on. There's a lot of just shutting down of facts. People aren't even willing to listen. It's very discouraging. It's happening in my family and it's happening in employment. People are feeling isolated. We've we've just split the society into I've I've never seen anything like it, Sheila. And and seeing it, like I said, seeing it in Saskatchewan with a bunch of people that I thought were this is not the Saskatchewan way. Nadine was talking about that a lot at the rally. We are are known to be generous. I mean, this is the home of Tommy Douglas, right? This is this is the home of of United Way breaking records in charity giving. We are a very giving, loving place. It's a it's a harsh environment in Saskatchewan. So we've always had, you know, whether people were uh, in 1950s, you know, you had farmers helping each other dig each other out of the snow, helping each other during harvest. That's the kind of people that Saskatchewan, you know, that's what we're bred from. And this is not normal. This is, it feels extremely antithetical to everything I've ever known and loved and been proud about uh, with this province. It's it's really scary. And I did expect it from government, even Scott Moe. I mean, I didn't think he was this bad, but I expected him to go. Politicians often sell out. That's just the way it's, 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 um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a job where they're incentivized to lie. I think that's the other part that's bugging me is people know that. They, they'll all say, oh, politicians lie, politicians lie. But when it actually affects their day-to-day, they're not picking up on it. And, and I'm not suggesting the numbers in the ICU or hospitals or anything are fake. I know that they're real. I have friends that are nurses. I understand yep. that we have lots of hospital overload. I'm not questioning that, nor am I being uncompassionate towards that. The question is not whether we feel anything at all for these people that are suffering. It's whether we believe, like you said, the right way forward. I'm a little more mad and would be more tempted to be angry at uh, hospital administration or health yep. bureaucrats making policy than I would at my friend or neighbor who decided to, to not be vaccinated for whatever reason, uh, especially being at what, 80% almost now, and it's just not enough. You've got to keep pushing, keep pushing. Nobody's willing to, they've idolized this treatment. They put all their eggs in this basket. And if you're not on board or you have one criticism, you're a bad person, you're an anti-vaxxer, I'm done with you. You're selfish. It's it's crazy. It's just the, the brainwashing. I have to give the mainstream media credit, which I hate to do, but good mm-hmm. job, guys. You really just managed to create this entire wall of fear. They did a very good job. So I guess good good for them if that's a, a compliment they want to hear. Way, way, to, way to divide the whole society and yeah. ruin families. That's really fantastic. Well, and I also resent the stigmatizing of people who have made a different medical choice than other people as responsible for the collapse of the healthcare system. This like whole narrative that it is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hospitalizations may be the unvaccinated. That's not the point. The pandemic is a pandemic of a failure of politicians who are in charge of the medical system, who had 20 months to ramp up ICU capacity and who who did, in fact, the opposite. Now you're scapegoating innocent people, sick people for yes. your failure. Since when do we scapegoat sick people? We've never done that before. All of a sudden we're doing it now. Exactly. And it's not, this is not the norm across the world. When you look at the way that other countries are handling this, many are now saying, okay, this is endemic. We can't vaccinate our way out of this. Unfortunately, it's one tool, but we need more. We're going to bring up, you know, ICU surge capacity. We're going to train more more nurses. I think back to, say, World War One, for example, or, or World War Two. you know, if you need nurses, you train them. You get people, you do whatever it takes, but you have to address the real issue, and you have to also be prepared if whatever you're doing isn't work working to have a plan B. I'm not... 
I'm not a rocket scientist, but I don't think that that's such a hard concept to understand that you don't ever put all your eggs in one basket. You have to be aware of the whole situation. And unfortunately, socialized medicine in Canada, despite the fact that people touted as the best, is not the best in the world. We have a lot of issues. The American system's not perfect either. It's not an either or. Um, I had to go get surgery in the States in June because of, of issues with our system. Yes, COVID made it worse, but it wasn't because of COVID. It was because it's just handled so poorly. And long before this pandemic ever hit, we have had horrible wait times. I think some of the highest wait times in the industrialized world for, for and, Canadians sorry, and with healthcare. And, sorry to interrupt you. And Saskatchewan is some of the best. Well, we and we, we <laughs> as right, far we, as bad wait times go, you guys are the it, best. <laughs> exactly. And we we've allowed at least some private options for MRIs mm -hmm. and things like that. But the fight against it, it's so interesting. Um, also fascinating on the, the front of universal health care and the positives or negatives. The, the biggest advocates for our healthcare system, no one left behind. It covers everyone. We give people second chances. Nobody gets to, it's not a, you're all covered except you and you and you. That's not a thing. That's the point of universal. It is the foundation of our healthcare system. But we have people saying, well, because of this one medical choice, you don't deserve healthcare. That I've seen that way too many times, not just from random people on Twitter, mainstream media pushing this idea that maybe, you know, maybe the people that aren't vaccinated shouldn't get healthcare or they should have to pay for it. Not recognizing, I mean, we literally can't deny somebody who has been convicted with knowingly spreading HIV, which is a pretty much guaranteed killer. We can't deny them healthcare. We don't deny prisoners healthcare. We don't deny anybody healthcare, but for some reason, now it's okay. It would never have been okay to have this discussion about any other group whether it be addicts or people that drive terribly and are constantly driving drunk, we can't refuse treatment based on your feels. That's not how universal healthcare works. You don't get to play God and decide who deserves it. These people have paid for, like, if you pay for taxes, you pay for healthcare. You can't just pull it from someone. But these are the ideas and the, the questions that we shouldn't even have to, we shouldn't be having these ethical discussions. It should just be a given that universal healthcare is universal. And if you're arguing for what they're arguing for, you're actually arguing for private care, which, hey, Let's have that debate. But most of them are hypocrites and they don't want private care. They just want to be able to say who deserves it and who doesn't. And it's super fascist. And uh, I'd say fascist wannabe because most of these people aren't that impressive when it comes to how they execute. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because a lot of the same people saying, oh, if you if you're if you're not vaccinated, you shouldn't be able to get a ventilator if you need one. But these are the same people who would advocate for a supervised drug injection site where the government is not only providing the building, the nurses to oversee it, but also the drugs. <laughs> and so that's an appropriate lifestyle choice. We all know is bad, right? Like we all know doing drugs is bad, but they would say, well, that's risk mitigation and that's right. healthcare. Right. I think that's enabling, but they would say that's healthcare. But someone who is gravely ill and needs an, a, a ventilator, or at least an ICU bed to save their life, well, if you're unvaccinated, sorry, it goes to a vaccinated person. Tough luck. Oh, so sorry about your luck, bro. Right. We're so mm -hmm. compassionate. We're so mm -hmm. nice here. Are we nice, Sheila? Yeah. Yeah. Super nice. Um, yeah. That's, I mean, we just have to look at uh, the treatment of a high profile um, anti lockdown activist in Saskatchewan mm -hmm. and how the doctors there are treating him on Twitter. But yeah, I know you be have a story my, coming up. I think that's my third story, I believe. So that'll be coming up soon. Yeah. There's some really amazing ethics being displayed by professionals that should know better, put it that way.
Now, um, I'm taking up a lot of your time and I don't want to do that because right, you've got you've got rebel news to do. So um, <laughs> I wanted to ask you um, going forward, what are the, some of the things that are sort of in your wheelhouse? What do you want to focus on? Because we get a lot of freedom here at Rebel News yeah. to talk about things that matter to us. So what what can people expect from you? Well, for now, and I mentioned to Ezra, like the lockdown stuff is big, lockdowns, vaccines, COVID mandates. That's a huge, that's a huge topic. And because it's coming down so heavy handed uh, in Saskatchewan and elsewhere, of course, but I think Saskatchewan's more strict on certain policies than in mm-hmm. other places, even in the country, let alone the world. I want to focus on the real stories of how that's affecting people getting uh, fired, people being isolated, discriminated against in multiple ways. There's so many ways in my own personal life and people that I know and love that are being affected and then hearing these these horror stories. So that's what I really want to focus on is humanizing these terrible, terrible policy decisions and showing what a vaccine mandate actually looks like, not just this theory of we're keeping people safe, which don't even get me started. I don't think it's going to actually change anything as far as numbers in hospitals go. So it really is just a feel good. We think we're doing something measure and we don't care how much it hurts people as long as we feel like it might do something so that's a big part of it for me but but hopefully that won't be something that we're talking about forever um i'd like to get into all manners of political and social discussion same stuff i did on my channel um so anything that i feel is is changing or shifting the culture um, those are the things i think are the most important not just the politics but how our culture is going because it's all connected. Um, big, I have big interest in things like the transitioning of children, um, gender dysphoria. That discussion, um, that's a that's a big one for me. Just my own women's health issues. I find it appalling what's happening with sort of the the the, the pronoun brigade. I guess you could call them. I've heard it called. Uh, so that's a big one for me. Um, I do like to discuss uh, climate change, environmentalism policy. Not because I'm an expert, but because I'm someone who considers herself a conservationist, as many conservatives are. It's a complete mm-hmm lie that we don't care about the environment. Most farmers, for example, their whole life is based on taking care of their environment. Everything, their their income, their bread and butter is based on knowing the environment and climate intimately, right? So it, it's a complete misnomer that we don't care. So I like to talk about policies that work versus the ones that don't. And, and that really does span across anything politically, because I always try to take the view of someone who can see both sides and trying to talk to people with sensitive hearts, because there's lots of people out there that are just getting mauled by nice words. That's kind of how I see it. It's like yeah. an, a, a weaponized empathy. People's empathy oh, is being smart. abused, right? So that's what I want to talk about is all the different ways we see people's empathy being used and abused in this country and elsewhere. So, you know, I think that's a, a great approach, especially, you know, as you were writing, um, I think it was Andrew Bright, or as you were talking, I was writing, I think it was mm-hmm. Andrew Breitbart who said that politics are downstream of culture. Yes. And I, I guess the moral of that is, fight the culture war and the politi- the political war will fix itself. And I think we're uh, oftentimes we're late to the game. Like we're, yes. we're, we're fighting politics, we're fighting Justin Trudeau, but we, we were sort of, we're late because the culture shifted far earlier and that's where we should have been waging our war, um, sort of yes. fighting in the, in the first ditch. Uh, Kelly, yeah. I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I think our Rebel News viewers are going to love you as much as I do. Um, (laughs) And uh, just get out there and fight for Saskatchewan. Um, And I think they're very lucky to have you. Awesome. Well, thank you for the kind, kind words. It's really been a a wonderful welcome from all the people across the board. Rebel's a great organization, and I'm proud to be a part of it. So I'll do the best I can. Thanks, Kelly. Cheers.
Now, much to my great regret, Saskatchewan has been somewhat neglected by me. There's just so much news here that we need somebody who cares about Saskatchewan to be able to cover it in the way that our flat province to the east of me deserves. And I know Kelly's the exact woman for the job. Like I told her, I cannot wait to see what she does next. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. I'll see everybody back here in the same time, in the same place next week. And remember, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think. 